0: Welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini, coming live from the beautiful random office I'm in, in the TAB uh, offices here in downtown Melbourne. I'm here to record our weekly TAB NBA tip-off show uh, that I do every week with Chris Anstey, you know, former Dallas Mavericks legend who was on fire recently betting, and Benyam Kadane. So if the background looks a bit different, that's where I am.
1: And, and but we're it here just to looks like you're about, about the to spin. Yeah, but you're about to spin some top 40 hits while you're in there, too. Like, Casey
0: Kasem case I'm Oh, in that's there. Hun- 100% <laughs> right. It's absolutely We're right. going to some water we'll hits here, here too. Man. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> we're here to talk about the lottery. The Orlando yeah. Magic won the 2022 yes. NBA Draft Lottery. And it's so exciting, isn't it? It's great that Orlando a team that has won the lottery in the past but is in need of real talent moving forward here, is going to get a chance at one of Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, or Paulo Bancaro. Behind them, the Oklahoma City Thunder are number two. The Houston Rockets are number three. The Sacramento Kings are number four. Watching this all unfold, what was your immediate reaction to what happened in front of us, Matthew Penny?
1: see i don't have a dog in the fight and and i am a celtics fan i was nervous i was really nervous i had like butterflies when the the, i'm like why do i care so much (laughs) is it because we tweet and we podcast we talk about this so much i was hoping for like a a little bit of a slide up and down and and when they started rattling off the picks i'm like wait a minute is this going to go exactly as like the projected area that it was so i like seeing sacramento move up and, and some of the pieces move to the middle of the pack there um and yeah, the real opportunity for obviously the guys at the top to get better than I, I think sort of the way it shook out a little bit. Some guys could slide more than I'd anticipate when I started putting pen to paper in here. And that's why the, the draft night is so fun. And that's why we have this nice build up runway here of, of a month to speculate what team is going to do what.
0: It's so great, isn't it? It's, no, it's so, so best. great that we're finally yes. here. We have an order. We don't have to speculate anymore on what's going to happen. We're just going to have fun. We're going to do a mock draft here. That is our whole goal today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the takeaways. I know that, Matt, you watched the lottery, didn't you? I did, yes so uh, being in this office i was like locked away i saw that people were like ripping schmitz for being shorter than chet holmgren and paulo bancaro and uh jabari smith by well, the way schmitz is like six foot three he like, is he's not he a small dude
1: yeah i met him a few weeks <laughs> ago he's he's not small uh but but that also speaks to how big the the top of the draft is the, the size wise yeah. and we're, we're also i got the nba playoffs on behind me and we're talking about guys who are six ten who don't have impacts and let's wrap three of them but then uh so the three guys, Jabari, Chet, and Pollard, on stage, and they kind of usher out David Robinson. And Chet Holmgren is just like impossibly like built along. And like he has a custom suit and it still like didn't like quite fit all the way. And he's towering over David Robinson. And like, this is the best. Like, th- this is just perfection.
0: I saw people talking about how it looks like Chet Holmgren has never worn a suit before. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, here's
1: here's another part of it too, and and I could tell because being around these guys and, and running events and seeing st- seeing stuff they play in, this is a really big deal. And, and these guys are still just kids. I say, guys, a matter of respect, which is kids, just based on age. And you could tell they all really had nerves during the interviews and and standing up there one on one because this is their fate. This is where they're going to spend probably four years if not more and get traded maybe moved around but there, there's a lot on the line here so hopefully for them too this is like a a little bit of a sigh of relief kind of like commit for college then just work out and, and focus on what your range is uh but it, it was great to kind of watch everyone roll out there and, and now have, have picks and numbers right next to them and, and no more tankathon and resetting like this is the set baby we're here
0: did you he- the way that the order shook out, and we're obviously going to get into this as we do the mock draft, but did the way the order shook out in any way change how you view the order that the top prospects will be selected?
1: Yeah, a little bit. There, there are some teams, and we'll go into specifics here, but I, I thought it could still very much happen. But the need at the top between Orlando, Oklahoma City, and, and Houston, the three of Chet Palo and Jabari are, are kind of like semi-seamless, right? And like Jaden Ivey definitely has a case for number one. I don't know necessarily if those three, they would. W- with Orlando, how many guards and, and wings they have. For Oklahoma City, they just have this glaring hole up front that they've wanted to fill with one of these guys. And Houston, after taking Jalen Green and having Kevin Porter Jr., it's it's not as, as seamless as a fit as some of those other guys are. So I wouldn't say that he's a, a loser by any means, but he was the first name that I said, okay, that, that might end up number four or five here.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think that they're, I don't think that Jaden's going to slide very far because Jaden is very good. But Houston at number three, I really don't love the fit with Jalen Green, to be honest. You know, uh, Sacramento at number four, do we love the fit with De'Aaron Fox necessarily? I don't know. It's it's interesting. I, I do wonder if, unless he like slides all the way up to number one or number two, because Oklahoma City or Orlando just love him. If he ends up being like kind of the loser of this process where he maybe, you know, loses out on a few million dollars by sliding from number four to number five or number six. Right. Um, Is there anyone else that struck you beyond the Orlando Magic, of course, is a big winner tonight?
1: Uh, we're close to Oklahoma City guys and beat writers. So for them to get to – Shout out I was, Andrew I Schleck, was happy. Baby. Oh, and Al Baby Cakes and his baby and all this actual baby that he had. I was happy <laughs> for those guys. They're having a massive party in Oklahoma City. I did not want a downer for them. With two picks, I was like, please just end up in the top three. So when it said Houston was third, I'm like, great. They got one or two. Like Andrew yeah. has talked ad nausea about Chet and Jabari. Take your pick. Like whichever one you, you don't get, great. Like you'll be fine. But th- that was the team that I kind of hope move up uh, a little bit it was a little disheartening and kind of heartbreaking at a point where you could tell Dame Lillard's kind of like in on this and they interviewed him and he was the representative there and said, Hey, I shut it down for this really for, for he wasn't tanking, but he's saying like, we shut down for the betterment of the future. And now they're sitting at seven and we've said like, this is a very good draft. It's not as deep at the top. And I don't know if there's that like game changing guy at the seventh pick that's ready to go and play and put up numbers that can run alongside Dame Lillard. And make them immediately back in the playoff picture next year.
0: So, just for people that are watching, we have quite a few people watching now. I look up in my left corner; I see 230 people watching. Shout oh, out all 230 of <laughs> that are viewing. Yeah, let's set the table very quickly before we mock draft. This draft is seen as a bit below average in comparison to past drafts. Uh, I am starting to think that there is some real potential depth depending on how many of these guys that are kind of in that first to second round range end up staying in. Uh, But the top four picks, I would say in comparison to last year, particularly the top three picks uh, with Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, I I would say that all three of those guys would be likely to go number one overall in this class. Uh, I think that it's likely Jalen Suggs probably would have gone number one overall in this class, but it would have depended on guard play. Cause if you remember Jalen Suggs was considered a great prospect entering last year, uh, it would have depended on who got the number one overall pick between he and Jabari Smith between he and Chet Holmgren uh, you know, his former high school teammate, obviously. Uh, and Scotty Barnes, obviously who had his fans, particularly in the Toronto front office that he ended up uh, paying off in a substantial way. So in general, how do you see this class? How do you see this lottery uh, as we move into a part of the season that uh, is going to get really fun for the teams that are already uh, into their off season?
1: I've come around to it. I have. And, and the more kind of removed from the season, you just kind of get blind a little bit by the narratives, weaken weak and it's down. There's still value in, in the middle of the first and, and, and kind of like the end of it, too. And some of those like seven to 10 picks and, and now there's like better fits. You can place names into it. Uh, th- that's when like you're making a big board is hard because hard to kind of quantify what that would be like and, and how it would shape up. But yeah, like now that you can actually see where the where the Knicks are, or New Orleans are, and like specific fits to those teams. And, and you know, New Orleans is kind of like really good already. And this is a pick from the Lakers. And here's like we don't have to rush it, so we can get a project guy who's really good freshman that may need time to to come along. And, and Washington's another one where it's sort of an open slate. Like they, they don't they have a lot of pieces, but no really like stars beyond Brad Beal. So do you go young? Do you try to go older? That's why like I I've kind of grown to be more of a, a fan of this, and, and I'm not a big guy that says like this is a down draft either like I, there, there's going to be players that make impacts beyond just kind of this lottery we talk about here too
0: yeah I'll, I'll tell you what nba scouts always tell me their, their job is obviously drastically different than ours we have to have a sense of you know 100 guys between the guys that will get two ways the guys that will go at the top of the draft the guys that will go in the middle of the draft the guys that get guarantees in the second round right yeah we have to have a semblance of a feeling on all of these guys NBA teams only got to pick one, right. right? They got to have a great feeling about one guy. Yeah. That it only takes one. We say round. it all the time. And you're set. Like, you're all good as long as that happens. And for people that are watching, uh, Matt Penny lives in Boston. He's an enormous Celtics fan. We're going to have some fun here as he uh, tries to divert his if attention. If my eyeballs are going up, I don't,
1: I don't have a cheat sheet. I don't have a teleprompter. I have a TV behind me. The Celtics are up 7 nothing. so we're, we're doing both here at the same time.
0: <laughs> I'm only oh looking God. up
1: sporadically, but I'm like, how's it seven? Nothing. But I, I'm I'm right here. We're, we're here. We're, we're drafting. Uh, I'm going to look once in a while to see what it is.
0: Okay, let's get into this thing. I will give you the number one overall pick. Uh, I went number one overall last time for people that are not familiar with the way that we do mock drafts. Matt and I go back and forth. He will get the number one pick. I will get the number two pick. He'll get number three. And we'll just kind of keep going uh, back and forth until we get to 14 or until we're at like an hour and, you know, five minutes or whatever, because we don't right. want to go wildly long today. Uh, but we want to be able to break down the fit of some of these prospects potentially in their new potential landing spots. They're actually a real like playing with live ammunition situation here. Right. <laughs> the Orlando magic number one, overall Matt Penny, who are you taking? Oh,
1: this was uh this was a pretty easy one for me. I, I like the fit. I'm going with Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga from mini haha academy from grassroots sizzle teammates with jalen suggs a homecoming of sorts and, and i wrote about this like before we knew the order and i put for orlando sort of like a tough cookie to crack because you had a million guards a bunch of these like rangy fours you have franz wagner who's very good jonathan isaac is he healthy is he not uh if they're here it could be cheddar jabari but with, with just chet there, there's too many intangibles and they're in a phase now where he can develop he can protect the rim the offense isn't going to be needed right away it's so guard heavy and guard dominant too that I think those guys can set the table a little bit more for him he's not going to be called on to be this immediate star and I think in a year or two from now uh, in in that developmental process he's going to look really good with the pieces that they have around him and just having it it helps just having the familiarity of your former high school teammate in the same locker room as you Uh, I'm sure Jabari Smith Jr. will get a long look but For me, or Orlando, Chet Holmgren, that's a a pretty safe number one for me.
0: So I think that's what I hope happens, like just for the fun of it all, right? Like Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs getting to play together again after their high school career at Minnehaha Academy. That just sounds really fun. Yeah. Right? It's it's, it's it's
1: literal a Disney story, which is down the street, which (laughs) is is incredible. Make the movie, start making it now.
0: I don't know that it's what I would do. Here's the question that I have for you. This team just signed Wendell Carter to an extension this past year. It's not an extension that is untradeable if they decide they just want to go in a different direction. I think it's actually a really good extension in terms of the number he's at. I think Wendell Carter is a starting center in today's NBA. Is there a better fit for the Orlando Magic between Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren that you think makes more sense for them?
1: A uh, better fit. I, I don't. I, I don't want to overthink this because Orlando, like all these teams, in the top five, top ten, they need to get better. So I would just take like the best player available and just sort of figure it out. I know you paid Wendell Carter. That's fine. But if you really believe in Chet and what he can be down the line, I wouldn't just like sacrifice that and say, well, Jabari Smith can be a little bit better because he can spread the floor with his jump shooting, and, and that can like that's naturally going to have more passing lanes, driving lanes for guys like Cole Anthony and. Markel Foltz and and R.J. Hampton and Jalen Suggs, who we, who we spoke to. Uh, so that that's why I'm just really with my feet down, two feet on, on Chet Holmgren, because it'll all develop in time. And, and I know that Jabari Smith might win you five or six more games in, in the first season or two, but in three years, Chet's going to be the, the prize of this draft.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a real case for that. Uh, I, I like Jabari quite a bit, and we'll talk about him next at number two with the yeah. Oklahoma City Thunder. And I am up. I'm going to take Jabari Smith for the Thunder, and I have Jabari at number one right now. I think there is a real case that Chet Holmgren has more upside than any player in this class if it all comes together for that, including his frame, which is now 195 pounds. And I want to get the number two pick here with Jabari out before we talk about Chet's frame and comparing contrasting Jabari and Chet, yeah. right? Uh, the reason that I like Jabari... Is the thing that has been proven more than anything else in this playoffs is the way that the NBA is going is more toward mobile defenders that can play on the ball and that can switch off the ball and be an impact player and help settings. Jabari Smith is six foot 10. He's going to give you a significant marginal advantage in terms of size, playing him at the four. He's essentially going to be like a closing five man size. You look at the teams that uh, are in the Western Conference Finals right now. For instance, Dallas is going to close with Maxi Kleba. Uh, the yeah. Golden State Warriors are going to close with either Draymond Green or Kavon Looney at center. Kevon's a bit longer than Jabari Smith, but he's not that much bigger than Jabari Smith. Jabari's going to be able to play the four, I think. You're going to be able to have a center out there that continues to lock down the paint, and Jabari's going to significantly help you from a rim protection perspective from the weak side, as well as from a floor spacing perspective. I think he's a genuine shot creator getting to his jump shot. He's not a great shot creator going forward toward the rim. He is a legitimate shot creator going back to get to that jumper. Uh, he's a 42% three point shooter as an 18 year old, six foot 10 player. I think he's genuinely the best six foot 10 shooter or taller that I've ever evaluated. Uh, guys like this are so easily slottable into playoff situations, into playoff settings, uh, into becoming star players. I really think we might be underrating how high Jabari Smith's ceiling is because we try to pick apart the questions about his ball handling and about his, uh, you know, passing ability, which is fine. It's not great yet, uh, admittedly, but this guy is 18 years old. He's one of the best shooters I've ever evaluated at his size. He's a great mobile defender who is good both on and off the ball. These guys just really work in the NBA playoffs at the end of the day, and that's why I love him for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I like him for the Magic. I like him for basically any situation in the NBA.
1: Yeah, you love some Jabari Smith Jr. I I do too, and and the good thing about Jabari Smith Jr. is – Sometimes with guys it's like, well, if the jump shot isn't falling, what else does he do? Well, he defends. He plays really hard. He can switch. He can hard hedge and, and guard your point guard a little bit and force him off the ball. And just for the fit with Oklahoma City, we'll, let's just play and, and say Jabari's the guy here. You're building around SGA and, and Josh Giddey, And there's a lot of good pieces. They need like another dude. And and you have Josh Giddy who's such a creative passer. And the way he's gonna set the table for Jabari, I think it'll make life for a lot easier for him, too. And Oklahoma City was last in the league at three point shooting this year. Uh, So you have these 17 first round picks in five years, use one on a, on a shooter. If Jabari Smith jr. Falls to you, that's a pretty dang good piece at number two and certainly has a, a case at number one.
0: The number one question that will be raised about Chet Holmgren is about the frame,
1: right? Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: How concerned are you about the frame moving forward? Because I think we have to address it here, right? Like, for the Orlando Magic fans, particularly, that are watching the show, trying to figure out how do we go about work? evaluating this? Yeah. How does, like, how, does how, this, how does this guy work?
1: How does right? this create a player work where he has like the attributes of like shot blocking and going off the dribble and this and that? But yeah, he does get pushed around a little bit. And the good thing about Chet is he always gets back up. It's not one of those things like a school year, you push kid down. No, he gets up and he'll still challenge the rim. He still alters shots. He still makes you think twice. There's enough clips this season both in-conference playing out, when guys drove the lane hard and just kind of turned around like they did, like, an yeah. end-around, like, nope, not going to do this here, uh, and, and passed it back out. So to have that guy in the middle, there's going to be tried try people hunt him and, and dunk on him for sure, but he has really good timing. He really good second jump. So he, the frame, like, it's only going to get better in time. So he had this incredible block rate and, and all these wild stats this year, and now just imagine in two to three years with time, with weight, uh, we, we just watched a, an unbelievable series with the, the Celtics knocking out the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. and he's just a, an absolute superhero of a player. And it, Chet is not Giannis. Let, let's stop right there. But frame wise, yes, Giannis had wider shoulders, but he was still 195 pounds or so. Now he's 240 pounds, chiseled out of granite, out of muscle. And that's weight room, that's diet, that's time, and, and that's going to come. These kids are still really young and. With with the right program that he can be in, and, and really focusing on that stuff, and not the immediacy to do that right away for Orlando, it, it's going to come. So so that's why I'm investing in him. That yes, I'm I'm worried about it, but not like I'm not taking him first because of that.
0: And here's the real reason why I, I think you should be willing to invest it with a top two pick at the very least uh, in this NBA draft. All of the intel is that Chet Holmgren is incredibly professional. You know better than anyone, and you can speak to this much better than I can just because you've been around him substantially more than I have being on the Under Armour circuit. But uh, for the very least, what I can speak to it is all of the intel work is absolutely phenomenal with Chet. He's incredibly competitive. He's incredibly professional. His work ethic is really high level. All of the boxes in terms of what you would need to be able to add weight to this frame, they get checked. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about him not working hard to put on the weight. It's, he will work hard to put on weight. It's just whether or not his frame allows it. And I, I do think there are substantial questions as to whether or not the frame will allow it, given how rail thin and skinny it is.
1: And Chet, like he he's a late bloomer in a sense too. It wasn't like high school into college, but like he showed up to grassroots tryouts wearing cargo shorts in like sixth or seventh grade. That's who he was. And they kept him around because like, all right, his dad, Dave played at Minnesota. He's seven feet tall. So you see yeah. dads, moms like that. It's like, okay, maybe this kid has a chance. He sprouted up, he still kept his guard skills, and now he's blocking shots, he's believing it. And he was like one of these dogs running with wolves who thought he was a wolf before that he is. So he's like becoming like that guy, but he still has that mentality. And that's why he goes so hard with like this reckless abandon to to challenge the rim and to dunk on guys and and go in transition because he plays with that edge. Uh, we, we saw it, and we saw shades of it in, in high school when he played Imani Bates on national television. You saw shades of it during the, the college season. Every other week, you get some highlight because they played late at Gonzaga. So a lot of people weren't uh, awake. Sam was. He's in Australia watching it live. But for a lot of people, you wake up the next morning to be a highlight. Like, I can't believe he just went coast to coast, behind the back, dunked it next time, stole it, intercepted a hit a three. I mean, announcers are laughing on the air. Like, this is how ridiculous yeah. what, what this guy is doing. Uh, so I even think there's more to to what we've seen. If you can tighten up the handle, he struggled with physicality of playing Jalen Dern in the NCAA tournament. He struggled with some foul calls. He got six fouls in the NBA. Uh, the handle will get better. He'll learn to do more off the bounce, and he, he definitely has a world of potential too.
0: Okay, Penny, you're up at number three. The Houston Rockets are selecting.
1: So Houston Rockets, and, and we kind of foreshadowed this a little bit. I, I'm going to go with Paul Bancaira here because Houston has. Kevin Porter Jr., they have Jalen Green. Yes, they have Christian Wood. Don't know how that kind of shakes out. Despite the alperin Shangoon hive and a touch of the usman Garuba hive, you could still use a, an additional big, and he's too high-level of a guy to, to pass up. I know you drafted two in the first round a year ago, but I'd rather have him on top of, of what is existing on the roster as opposed to you already have Jalen Green and kind of like force-feeding the, the Jaden Ivy thing. I think those roles are, are, are too similar. And Paulo, how he developed at six foot 10 throughout the year during Duke, uh, a top five kid coming out of high school and really dominated the high school circuit and the high school season during that COVID year. But at Duke, what impressed me was how his passing came along later in the year. He's always going to be a, a mid post scorer and shot creator the way he did that. But how his passing his passing reads got better over time, the defense is still a little bit of a question. But he can always call and get you a bucket, and the three-point shot is going to get there. Detractors will say that's kind of like the hang-up a little bit, how he shot 34% from three. He does have that hesitation. I, I'm not, like, overly worried about that. I think at, at Duke, the expectation level was really high, and, and he was the last man standing among lottery players in the Final Four. And, and he had a lot of good performances, which he racked up. There were instances and stretches where I thought defensively there were some bad switches here and there. But he also showed the good, too. He showed you how he can get a bucket and clear out. He can face up. He has a lot of that kind of like Carmo Anthony mid-range stuff where he can clear out a side. And and that's an immediate, translatable skill to the NBA. And I'll I'll stick by this, too. He's going to be my pick for Rookie of the Year because he's more of a finished product than Jabari Smith Jr. and Chet Holmgren. If you do a redraft in a year from now, you might take Paul Bankara number one because day one, he's going to score 15 points per game in the NBA because he's big, he's strong. It's just a more uh, ahead of schedule than the two guys above him. Houston's got to be happy to get to the top three and get better on draft night with him.
0: So here's the reason that I really like this fit, particularly for Houston. I think that next to Jalen Green, who was phenomenal to close the year, like there is no question that He looks like the kind of guy that can average 25 points per game Mm -hmm. in the NBA as a shot creator that efficiently knocks down threes, that does everything you're looking for in that regard. The thing that Jalen isn't great at right now is making passing reads and consistently making plays for his teammates. Mm -hmm. Paulo Banquero, I think, and I I really genuinely mean this, this is a below average passing class in general, Mm -hmm. but... Paulo Bancaro, I think, has a case as the best passer in the lottery this year. He is an exceptional passer. He makes the right read constantly for his teammates. He can throw live dribble looks to kickouts. He can throw live dribble dump-off passes. He threw pocket passes to Mark Williams regularly this year. He is an incredible passer, and I really like that offensive fit. The two-man game between Jalen Green and Paulo Bancaro could be really, really lethal, I think for the Houston Rockets moving forward, you're going to have to figure out the defense. And I think there are a number of reasons that you have to figure out the defense. I don't really like Jalen Green or Paula Bancaro on the defensive end, but I would rather find defenders than try to find elite offensive talent. And I do think that a Bancaro, Jalen Green core does give Houston real upside in terms of elite offensive talent.
1: Yeah, and offensively it will be uh, it will be worth the price of admission for sure. I think they'll they'll play fast. I feel like a new head coach, right? great culture, going to play fast, shoot a lot of threes, get up and down. But but you're <laughs> able to do that. And, and Paolo is yeah. malleable in a sense where he kind of plays like a four three, and at times it's a three four. And the defense, yeah, I don't want him on the wing guarding threes. But offensively, you can do different sets, and you can still play him on the floor at the same time as Alfred and, Goon, and maybe Christian Wood and in stretches if you want to get really big out there, sort of like. Milwaukee did against the Celtics, whether it's Portis Lopez Giannis at times. So the NBA is, is kind of changing and evolving and Houston did leave on a a good high note uh, to end the regular season, despite ending up here in the lottery. Uh, So yeah, this was also a a good win for Paulo for a team that
0: could use him ending
1: up third overall.
0: And at the end of the day, here's the thing on Alper and Cengun, and this will be the last thing I say about Houston and we can move on to my pick for Sacramento. I don't think you can consider Alper and Shengun within this pick. I think that if you're no. Houston, you need the absolute best talent that you can find. It's a good problem to have if both Alper and Shengun and Paula Bancaro are great. Uh, But what we saw defensively this year from Alper and Shengun gives me real questions about what kind of impact he can have in a playoff setting for as good as he is offensively. And I think he is genuinely really, really good offensively. I worry about him in a playoff setting defensively. So if I'm Houston, I take the guy that I evaluate best. And for me and you, it's Paulo Bancaro. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a gold mine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shop blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory g-a-m-e-t-h-e-o-r-y to claim your account plus with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account nordvpn.com slash game theory guys i can't emphasize enough uh how much i use nord every day of my life uh Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So NordVPN.com slash game theory. Okay. Number four, the Sacramento now get, Kings.
1: Now we get good, right? Because now it's like a little bit where are we going?
0: I still take Jaden Ivy. I do too. And I'm worried about it. I think at the end of really? the day, if you're the Kings, you take the best player on the board. I don't love the fit of him in De'Aaron Fox. I don't. I now, really now, worry you, about how that looks.
1: Now, do you do that because of kind of the Sabonis trade and, and how they've kind of like changed their style of play? When before, probably a year or two ago, we'd say it's a great fit because De'Aaron Fox is getting up and down, but he heals on a wing, getting up and down. Now you have a, a, another running mate with him. Is it just like style of play is what slowed it and said, yeah, I don't, I don't know what Davion Mitchell – and De'Aaron Fox, and like, is that your yeah. kind of holdup here?
0: Yeah, I mean Davion Mitchell over his last, I want to say it was close to twenty games, averaged like sixteen points and seven re- seven assists per game. He was really good to close the year, on top of being a good defender, right? So, I worry about having all of these small guards. I do honestly. The thing that I think most about the Kings, I think this is a tri- prime trade spot for the Kings, either up or down, right? Like maybe they try and throw the, you know, everything, the kitchen sink at one of these top three teams to get one of the top three bigs, or they slide down just a couple of spots for a team that really wants Jaden Ivy at number four. I, I I don't know. It's, I, I worry about this fit quite a bit, but at the end of the day, I'd feel dumb just not taking the guy that I think is the best talent on the board Uh, it's jaden ivy is the kind of athlete that like i I don't know if he's quite john wall in terms of quickness but his first step is crazy like you watch his tape he is literally just running around guys in a straight line like he will just blow (laughs) by
1: it's fast and furious just hits it and goes it's like how did what where did that speed come from where is this all game long
0: And you're just like, how do you do this? How how is this a thing? He's going to be turbo out in transition, especially with De'Aaron Fox. I think that Sabonis is actually kind of an interesting fit with both of those guys. It's weird because like now, I honestly, I wonder, the Kings at number four now are a prime trade spot in general, I think. like Be it De'Aaron Fox, maybe you explore the market for him. Maybe you explore the market for Davion Mitchell. Maybe you explore the market for this pick. Maybe you just take Shaden Sharp. Like I think that's a real yeah. question here as well. well could see uh, it.
1: Could go full Kings. Take Shaden Sharp, right?
0: It, it's not the worst plan I've heard because I think that Shaden's upside is genuinely real. And we'll talk about Shaden more whenever so, he gets picked yeah. <laughs> in this thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I really quite – I am totally fascinated by what the Kings do here more than almost any other team in the league. They are a total swing spot now in this draft.
1: Yeah, I I really liked what Jaden Ivey did from his freshman and sophomore year, how he improved really every statistical category, became more of a leader. And he played in a style at at Purdue, which works at the college level, which is big dominant inside out. But he has more spread out space on offense and just – as you, I said, the geometry of the court changes. He's going to be an unbelievable player. And if they play fast and it's him and De'Aaron Fox taking off and Sabonis chucking up the sideline, that's a pretty good combination. Like I, I don't think that the Sacramento is is in a spot right now to say, I don't know necessarily how that fits. I would take the best guy. Uh, we talked about it last podcast. I, I'm closer with Jaden Ivey to be number one than I am number five. Yeah. So to get him at four, and I saw a, a couple of quick look mock drafts where he went sixth. That guy goes fifth or sixth, man. Like, forget about it. I, I don't think. As we watch the NBA playoffs, we watch how the games being played. We're talking about wings and guards, and Maxi Kleber's the last six ten guy that, that's making any production. I, I feel good about Jaden Ivy. I really do.
0: Yeah, I do as well. I, I like Jaden Ivy. He is. He really has to improve his in between game. I think that's the number one thing he has to get better as a playmaker and passer. And I worry about that offense stagnating. With him and De'Aaron Fox out there together, because both of those guys, Jaden doesn't over dribble. I think De'Aaron at times can over dribble a little bit, but neither of those guys are elite level playmakers for other teammates. Right? Like they're good, but they want to try and get to the bucket themselves. De'Aaron wants to try and get to his mid range jumper. Jaden wants to try and get to his step back. In some ways, like it's it's going to be interesting to see how this goes uh, so- for the Kings if they do go that way. I think well, that this is a prime spot for some sort of trade, though, is where uh, I would go.
1: I'll leave you with this. Do you think they could play, roll out a lineup of De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, and Jay Nivey and be successful?
0: This was the conversation last year with Tyrese Halliburton, wasn't it? They,
1: well, yeah, now he's gone. So I, I thought yes was the answer, and, and now he's at Indiana. I actually like the fit with the Pacers better than I do with the Kings. But are are we doing this all over again? Are we doing the we hit rewind to the movie? We're watching it all over again.
0: And and you know what? Like maybe Kings fans would take that. They end up at number four here and it's instead of Halliburton, it's Ivy and you have DeMontis Sabonis now, which is huge. Like DeMontis Sabonis is great. So uh, maybe Kings fans would take this. They're, they're in a good spot now though. Uh, It's just, they have to make a decision on the way that they want their core to look more than anything. Right. Okay. You're up at number five, the Detroit Pistons.
1: This, this one hurt because uh, when I, I did my prep here for the mock, I put team needs, and what I put for Detroit was Cade Cunningham help. You Could use speed on the wing with the Jaden okay. Ivey off the board uh, or a big up front? Not really. Uh, Marcus Bagley is a uh, Marcus Bagley, Martin Bagley's restricted free agent. Uh, I like Isaiah Stewart. I, I don't think you don't draft a big because of him. That's kind of irrelevant. The top three are off the board now. Jeremy Grant's kind of been like a, a weirdish fit. Like He could be in, in trade talks potentially. Uh, I like the idea of more shooters coming out of these pick-and-roll and reps because Sadiq Bey dipped down from 38% to 34% from three. He had a good year, but kind of changed his game a little bit. They're 29th out of 30 in three-point shooting last year. I, I don't think this is the cleanest fit, but I'm going to go with Keegan Murray here. And I, I thought Shaden Charles a little fans
0: bit. are going to obliterate you. Well, why, though?
1: Uh, <laughs> Keegan Murray gets such a bad rap, and, and you and I were talking offline last week about how he wasn't Big Ten Player of the Year. And Keegan Murray, what he did, shot just a shade below 40% from three during the year after a really slow start. So this guy, like, was top three in the nation scoring all year long. He can play fast. He can play slow. The The core could slow down. He can play in different offenses. Just rock solid. Play him on a pick and roll with Cade Cunningham. It's the way that the Pistons are going to have to play. They're not always going to be able to get up and down. Uh, they, they haven't done that in recent years anyway. I don't think the, the shade and sharp thing here – would help right away. It's just a very safe but productive pick, and and it's not like the sexiest name. The tape is not like sizzling with like the Jaden Ivey stuff. If you're looking for highlights, yeah. take Shaden Sharp. Seriously, take Jaden Ivey, take Bennett Matherin. Uh, I'm going with Keegan Murray. I think he's a top five prospect in the draft, and he's going to work with the cerebral sense of how Cade plays, how the system and the team and the franchise want to develop. If, if you're trying to build a culture and you've already done that with some of the guys you drafted, here's another good piece who is also kind of still figuring out and, and made the leap from playing with Luca Garza the year before at Iowa to being this like big time scorer. Uh, people who talked to him said he's more of a three than he is four at, at times. And, and the way his handle is, he's going to keep getting better. You can shake your head. Uh, people say that. He's the, four. He
0: can't move <laughs> well enough. But, he's, but he's
1: a four. <laughs> but he's a scoring four that can score out of isolations too. And we saw yes. with that kind of like one to two dribble, rip back, fade away, has great touch, uh, not afraid of guarding up the lineup. I really like him. I, I think it's a, a pretty fairly easy pick for me to make at five.
0: Yeah, I get it. I, I It's not the pick I would make. I get it. I think that the Pistons are in a place where getting a guy like Keegan Murray makes sense. If I was them and I had Cade Cunningham, I would be swinging for the – MF and fences for this pick. And here's the reason why I think that they are extremely, they're not extremely, I think they are closer to competing and not being in this range of the draft than people think, because I think Kate is going to be so good next year that he might play them out of this range.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And they played playoff teams really hard the, the second half of the year and, and probably lost a few ping-pong balls because of that. But the I, I agree with the swing, but I would take one of those swings if I was one or two with Jabari Smith Jr. and Chet and say, all right, we're taking Chet, like he's the best by far. Shane Sharp, I had him. I changed about 30 seconds before I made the pick. It's too much of a mystery, man. We've seen a, a workout. We've seen high school tape. We've seen high school film. We saw a, a clips from the combine of him doing step-back jumpers and windmills off of handoffs. It all looks great. He hasn't played a competitive game in two years. If he's a year or two away, now you're looking at year three or four of Cade Cunningham, and maybe he's not happy about how you, you made this pick here. If he lifts them up enough, and now they're drafting 10th next year or, or 12th, then what type of caliber of player do you have? If you can get a guy of the caliber of Keegan Murray could help you right away and still develop more than what he is, that's the guy I'm going with.
0: I would, if this is potentially their last chance, to be near the top of the draft. And I I really think there is a case they might be bad again next year. Like maybe Cade's not going to take the leap that I think he is, but if they're not bad next year, this could be their last chance to get like hyper elite talent. And at the very least Shaden is that right. Like Shaden has talent to be great. He is six foot six. The thing about the workout that and, and here, I'm gonna take Shaden Sharp yeah, number six yeah. for
1: the he was kind of six or six. That's as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Shaden Sharp number six to the Indiana Pacers. So the thing about Shaden Sharp's workout yesterday that I was told. And I know that like some highlights got circulated and everything, but it, it was It wasn't mixed in terms of his performance. It was more how valuable was this workout for us to attend, basically. Uh, None of it was done at game speed. It was just all very slow and methodical. And he knocked down shots at a high level, not like some crazy elite level. He showed off his leaping ability. The thing that I was told most, though, the people who had seen him for the first time in person told me, man, is he long. Man, he is so like he he is like a plus six wingspan with ease. And if I'm the Pacers, I want the upside. Like I, I want to take a flyer on Shaden Sharp and go for it again, especially because I think this could be the last time the Pacers are picking in this range. I think Tyrese Halliburton's really good. Depending on what they do with Malcolm Brogdon this offseason, right. he's really good. Depending on what they do with Miles Turner, he's really good. This is a team that like could compete for the play in slash that and back end of the playoffs next year, I think. So with that being said, I want to swing for the fences. I want to take a guy in Shade and Sharp that I think can be a primary scorer, regardless of what the workout looked like yesterday. And again, he didn't perform badly by any stretch, is what I was told. Um, and he performed well for what the workout was. He is a legitimate step back shot maker. He can get to that shot and he can knock down shots at a very high level. What is the thing right now that translates most in terms of shot creation? In today's NBA.
1: In, in what sense? I mean, the n- number one is like, are you able to like create space to, to get to said shot creation w- with the combination right. of athleticism speed, which he's able to do? He, he can create the space and right. then can hit the shot.
0: I think he can hit the shot. Do you? Yeah. I mean, like all of our evidence to this point is that he can hit the shot once he creates that separation.
1: I do. It's just I want more data points. He he played in the summary. We're we're judging off grassroots basketball stats. We're just it's a different world. We're judging off high school playing the grind session uh, out in Arizona. It's different. We're judging off practices at Kentucky, judging off me watching him warm up at, at college games. Like that's that's where it's just like hard and it's tough. And if you are kind of in this five to seven range, and I think that's where he nets out. This is the swing. I think there's safer plays. You can swing for a double. But if you're trying to hit a home run like, yeah, this is probably the guy.
0: I get it. The Pacers are in a weird spot. Yeah. The Pistons are in a very weird spot. The team at number seven might be in the strangest spot out of all. Of them.
1: Yeah, a weirder. And once you said one, I was kind of jumping ahead. I'm like, I don't really want to pick for Portland. I would like New Orleans. That's a fun one. Uh, Portland. I
0: think Portland's fun too for what it's worth.
1: It, it is because I called this the Damian Lillard draft before I knew he was the team rep, and I'm like, this is really the Damian Lillard draft because, like, what do you do here? You, you broke up the band. You, you traded away C.J. McCollum. You had to make some moves. They have Anthony Simons who who played really well, especially in, in Dame's absence. So do you go and win now, which you can with a more ready-made guy, or do you invest in a project, but then maybe Dame's unhappy and the trade stuff kicks up back again? You could hear some front court names with Nurk being an unrestricted free agent. They've talked about bringing him back. But I, I, this is fun because it's sort of a, a blank slate. I, I had two or three names already off the board. This might be a little unconventional. I think I'm going to go with Benedict Matherin from Arizona. And okay. yeah. why I say that is it's, it's a little bit more size than Simon's. I, I think you play him and Dame and the three of those guys together came into his own more in Arizona. This, this season as a sophomore made the leap after tiptoeing around the draft last year, the shot was better from three. He had a nice stretch kind of the middle of the year he was rallying off 20 point games, scoring off the dribble off one or two dribbles. Now, if he does more than that, it, it comes a little dicey, but playing off the ball, hitting threes, dunking, in transition, and then has just an absolute monster game in the NCAA tournament against TCU and Advanced Arizona Beyond. So this is sort of my like split the difference because it's not a a full-on project, but I I think there's enough tools and upside to work there where he could be more than what he was at Arizona despite having a good year. Uh, He just fits them a little bit better than the guys I I had below. I don't think you reach here three or four spots too high for a big either and just settle into the guy that – a lot of analytics people have become fans of once they go back into the numbers in the film postseason here.
0: So I get it. I don't mind this pick. I've been Matherin pretty high, and I would very strongly consider him here. He's young and he fits the Blazers' general like theory on prospects because mm-hmm. while Neil Olshay is gone, and this will be the first draft without Neil Olshay in charge, the Large, large portion of this front office is still there, and this team has tended to draft project, long, you know, athletic players that have upside in the past. Right? I will tell you, I mocked Jeremy Sohan here in my first yep. mock draft. You know, Ben Matherin is not much older; he's still a teenager. I think for like a month now, maybe mm-hmm. like he, he's going to turn twenty. I think before the draft. And he does fit that paradigm. He will help them quite a bit next year. Uh, I wonder if this is the start of Jeremy Sohan's range, though, uh, as a guy that is really rising up the board for teams.
1: He is. And I have uh, not too many spots far below this, but... You could even argue at six, right? Like you can argue at, at Indiana at six because Miles Turner, there's sort of like that void space next to him where he could slide in. I, I'm guessing Indiana hopes Keegan Murray slides down to them, but one of those guys that that pairs there. But I don't think that – and it's funny how the world kind of works. Like I don't think he really gets out of this this top ten from six to here down because he's just so versatile as a defender all over the floor. Uh, can score offensively and create his own. And then just the jumper, can the jumper get there? And he showed signs of it. It looks right. The numbers aren't there, but in time, can it get to be that point? So yeah, I I considered it, but I I am going with Ben Matherin seven to Portland.
0: Okay. Number eight, you stole Matherin from me. So now I'm going to have to really think on the fly here. (sighs) This is kind of gross. I don't love this. I I would pick Sohan here generally. Um, I don't love the fit of him and Zion together because of the questions that I have about Zion in terms of being able to space the floor. And uh, Herb Jones is another very high-level defender. They have a lot of high-level defenders there. I think that you really are looking for floor spacing. But, man... I don't love AJ Griffin this high. What? I really don't. Um this is kind of gross, I think. Like just this spot in general. I guess I'm going to go AJ Griffin and just take the shooting. What I'm most worried about with AJ Griffin is the defensive end of the court with him and Zion Man, I really worry about foot speed if you put those two out there, but another floor spacing wing can't really hurt. And I think that it's hard to find these guys. I like the idea. I know that they just took one last year in Trey Murphy and I love Trey Murphy and I think he's going to be a starter long-term, man. This is a tough spot. I'm going to go AJ Griffin. I love the shot making upside. I think he can be a potential shot creator off the bounce because of his ability just to get to his spot, in knockdown shots. I don't love the defense. I don't love the passing. I don't love a ton of the athleticism, but he is a genuinely like elite level shooting prospect for a team that could really use more shooting in general.
1: I'd say, they need Zion help, but we don't know really what that is yet until we get Zion's full picture of health. And they have this pick from the Anthony Davis trade. And I, I like the moves they made sort of at the all-star break. And they won two playing games and forced Phoenix to game six in the playoffs. So you have an evolving Brandon Ingram. You, ha- you have CJ McCollum that worked out well there. You have Herb Jones. You, ha- you I like Trey, Trey Murphy. It's a well-put-together team, so based on the success, they can be a little bit more patient if they have to be. I would have taken Johnny Davis because I think he just has that competitive-winning cultural feel that they they also need and, and thrive on, and that's why I think Herb Jones has been so successful, and they've kind of pushed over the hump a little bit and been real contenders, and now they have the eighth pick, but I get It's also who knows how much longer they're going to be in this range to get a guy, and for A.J. Yeah. Griffin with historical freshman shooting season at, at lower reps and lower numbers. Take the chance.
0: Okay. You're up at number nine.
1: Okay. Spurs. I got a lot of good names on the board here. <sighs> so for them, I, I put best available slash big. I mean, they may move to, to ship their white. Thank you to Boston. Uh, it, it's been a long jam at the garden wing spot. They had to Murray who made a massive leap. They have Kelvin Johnson. They have Lonnie Walker. Josh Primo is going to get rips. We'll, we'll talk about that later. They do need some bodies up front next to Cole Podol. Um, You know, I had to get Primo in there. I'm going to go a, a little contrarian. I know Sohan's probably the pick. I'm going to go with Jalen Dern here. And the reason I say that is the I way that. I don't think that,
0: that's that contrarian for what it's worth.
1: Well, no. I mean, we just said here's the range for uh, Jeremy Sohan and then flew by three or four spots. Uh, gets them younger in the front court. Um, I I, li- I do like the rim protection. I do like how it gets up and down. I do like the size and the movement. This is a kid who's number one player in his class who reclassified up, supposed to be a senior in high school, and, and played just a kind of uneven season this past year at Memphis. Uh, can do a lot more than, than what he showed. Has a little bit of a mid-range game. He rips the rim off of the dunker spot. He can fly up and down, uh, rim running, then come back and, and recover. I think the hard hedges and stuff with his feet can get better over time. He does have a little bit slower feet there. But with, with kind of what San Antonio has, he also doesn't need touches. Like, he's used to not getting fed into the post. So their guards and wings can kind of do their thing. He can create his own offense. And now you have more of a, a defensive anchor in the middle who is going to get better over time and still very young too.
0: I get it. I don't mind that. Um, a lot of DeAndre Jordan potential is what I would say there. Like that That's kind of the guy that he reminds me of most. I don't think you're going to switch Jalen Duran. I think you're no, going to use him so in drop did. coverage. Yeah. But he is a legitimate athlete that is going to catch every single lob. Like Some of the lobs that he can grab one-handed, off of one foot, off of two foot, everything like that. It's special. Like he is genuinely a special lob catcher and I get it. I, I understand this pick. I think it's not it's, what I would do, but it's reasonable.
1: Right. And and it's the questions are with the motor. Can it keep running? Can he hold that button? Like NBA jam, he talk about how he catches and has the lobs. Like he's just got to keep going though. The shoes got to stay red. Like if they go white and, and he's not moving, he's not active, he's not engaged in plays. I, I wouldn't take him here. But if you're betting on him kind of coming out with the same spark he had against Chet Holmgren in the NCAA tournament where he was like, this is the guy that's that went before me, like, I'm coming for you. So if he does that and, and goes ninth or, or tenth here and he kind of has a list, like Billy Madison, of the guys he's going to knock off one at a time, uh, I, I like Jalen during in this range, and I, I like the Spurs here.
0: So we're up at number 10 with the Washington Wizards. <laughs> and I just want to point out the predicament that you've left me here. <laughs>
1: It's our predicament. We're we're good. There's still guys on the top ten of the board.
0: This is a team that loves taking these athletic big wings. Danny Avdia, Rui Achimura, um, you know, Corey Kispert is more of an athlete than what I think people think. He is very clearly mostly a shooter. And he had a great close to the year. I think people didn't really recognize that enough. They just traded for Christoph Sporzingis. I have no idea what the direction of this organization is. I've not.
1: Like, no, Like I agree, and you have all the money locked up with Porzingis and, and Brad Beal. And, and
0: Bradley Beal. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you, and you drafted Kispert, who's more of a finished product. He was older, right, and did have a, a good end to the year, took a while to get going, but that's like kind of what he is, right? He can be a little bit better. So you have a, a good decision of more proven guy, absolute project, absolute home run swing, so I'm very intrigued on, on this next selection from you. I... I...
0: I don't know if Rui and Denny Avdia are good enough to stop me from taking Jeremy Sohan. but I feel like the level to which Wizards fans would potentially revolt if Tommy Shepard took another athletic projecty, you know, non-shooting switchable big. Yeah. non-shooting big, uh, like I, I, it would be nuts.
1: Well, the answer is a point guard. There's not a point guard in this range, right?
0: I have one that's oh, no. a sort of point guard.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like this pick, if this is what you're doing. You've danced around 10 prospects, so I've narrowed it down to about three.
0: I'm going to take Dyson Daniels. Don't hate that. And Dyson Daniels is a big guard who is elite defensively. I think he fits really, really well with Bradley Beal. Uh, he is very switchable one through three at the very least as he puts on strength i think it will be one through four defensively that he'll be able to switch uh, he's a very high level passer the thing that for americans that maybe have not seen dyson daniels a ton in his development and for people that didn't watch the g-league ignite this year the thing that he reminds me of most is kind of a villanova style like guard hmm. he plays off of two feet at a really high level Uh, He makes the right read as a passer. He processes the game exceptionally well, and he's really tough defensively. I love the idea of pairing a guy like that with Bradley Beal if your eventual goal is essentially to continue down the road of building around Bradley Beal. I think that Dyson Daniels is the exact kind of guy that you need to put next to Bradley Beal to make it work and make it make sense.
1: Yeah, really good finisher, high-level finisher. Not dunks, but just percentage-wise with craft around the basket. Very good passers, you said, can pass over the top of guys using that size, using that length. Shot it way better the second half of the G League season. So there's kind of like, can this be a a thing? Can we be trending in the right direction with the jumper? Very young. Uh, I I know it was just a a short window. I was talking with somebody about it today. But when he played at All-Star Weekend, that kind of like mishmash, hodgepodge All-Star game, he looked good. He looked like he belonged. And that's a, a big piece of it to it. He does not be intimidated out there playing. Got pro reps playing with the G League Ignite. Really liked the him, him in person. Uh, this is a good range for him. I think he could slide. There's potential there, kind of like could yeah. go down five to 10 spots, but I, I'm not t- mad taking him here.
0: Okay. You're up at number 11. Whew.
1: New York Knicks. All right. Uh, weird year for the Knicks after kind of the promise they had a, a year before that. You've had the strange, like, did he or didn't he request a trade from Julius Randle. You're rolling with R.J. Barrett. Uh, Mitchell Robinson's a free agent. Could say this for a lot of teams, but they kind of needed a top three pick and not anything here. Like, they needed, like, a a star, I would say, to push them over. Like, they need a difference maker. But they also need toughness. And uh, I know the depth of the backcourt is lacking a little bit. And I'm glad I can do this. And I'm going to take my boy, Johnny Davis, from Wisconsin. And this is a full circle moment for me. I think he fits in with Tibbs and the the style that he demands from his players to play, uh, to lock up guys defensively, to move the ball and, and pick your spots on offense. His usage rate was really high this year, so if you just look at the numbers and, and not the actual tape, it, it's not going to pop out. But this is a guy that scored 20-plus against Houston. This is a guy that had 25 to 30 at Mackey Arena on the road against Purdue.
0: That yeah, carried he was, was 35 for what it's worth. Sure.
1: It, it was a lot. Uh, yeah. But he carried his Wisconsin team. He was Big Ten Player of the Year, whether we agree, disagree with it or not. Wisconsin want to share of the Big Ten title. He was hurt in the NCAA tournament. They still won a a tournament game uh, against Colgate. Then they got boat raced a little bit at the end at at Iowa State. He was playing on one leg. I I think when he's playing against better, I'm sorry, with better guys, with NBA level kind of four spacers where he can take some of these plays off at at times, it doesn't have to go a million miles per hour. He's going to be a star. He he is. And it's going to fit with New York and him playing off the ball and can play more of a safety role and, and take those risks. I really like him here. I, I think that'd be a fantastic fit for the way he plays and the demands that New York would have to.
0: Okay. Number 12. If this would happen, I mean, I think that Sam Presti would sprint to the podium. Jeremy. At number yes. twelve. this yeah. is insane that he got this far, I think. Um, I don't care that I took Jabari Smith at number two no. for them. It's a no brainer. He fits everything that Oklahoma City looks for. Bigger wing, switchable, can handle the ball, can, you know, play as the screener in ball screens, can play in the ball handler in ball screens. He's arguably the most switchable forward in this draft, I think, in terms of his ability to disrupt. Uh, he's a really smart help defender. Uh, he has as much upside as any like forward in this draft. Not necessarily as much as Chet Holmgren is a big, uh, like a guy that I think is mostly going to play center. I think Jeremy Sohan is a terrific defender. He fits really well with everything Oklahoma City is building. If this was to happen, I mean, I'm very skeptical Jeremy Sohan gets to 12. I'll say that.
1: Yeah, I I don't either. And this is just kind of literally our exercise on the fly here. And I'll have the our boards are different than our mocks. I mean, I have Jeremy Soha on ninth here. I don't know why necessarily it flew down as much, but it's a little bit fit. Uh, you hit it on the head with Oklahoma City. Just take the best player. Don't worry about Poku. Don't worry about Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Don't worry about Mike Muscala. Whoever your players are, just get the best guys. Stockpile. They've stockpiled picks. They're stockpiling assets. I, I really like him there. He fits. And one of the things that stands out to me about him is how he had he played high level high school basketball here in America. He went back to Europe and played over in Europe during the COVID year, so to say, came back and played for Baylor. So it showed that he has these different like kind of areas that he's played in when it's really fast or really slow, really structured and he's able to still make his imprint on each of those.
0: Okay. You're up at number
1: 13. 13 Charlotte Hornets. Ah, Not going to make the pick I want to, but uh, I don't want to put all the stock into it, but I'm not really worried. Like you said about like taking James Booknight a year ago, uh pj washington was their draft rep so this might be a, a, a little weird they're bringing kai jones along slowly i mean miles bridges averaged over 20 points per game but he is a restricted free agent he could be out uh lamel is a star needs peace around him i kind of made the same sell for kai jones a year ago the most glaring need to me as a center and i'm gonna go with mark williams from duke here uh mark williams had much more surprising year this year than i thought he would uh, the year before at Duke, they they called on him to do a lot more and kind of be the centerpiece of their offense, especially late in the year. Uh, and then when he had more, quote-unquote, stars around him and shooters around him, he still made his presence felt defensively. He plays with a real edge and mean streak. He snatches rebounds off the rim, hits the sideline and takes off, has some touch around the basket. Just, just another kind of guy that would play alongside LaMelo ball and, and allow him to take those chances he can in, in the backcourt. And then you have him stand there in the edge to protect everything else he's doing. Uh, I considered a couple of guards and wings, but I think Mark Williams is the best fit here.
0: The thing that is really interesting to me is that, A, Mark Williams really runs the floor well, so he would fit in an up tempo style with LaMelo ball. And then the second thing is just lobs. I mean, lobs for days. Oh, like, yeah. All day, every Lo- day. Him and like his, Bridges, his, I mean. his,
1: his own lobs coming off the rim, just catching on his own and and trying to rip the rim off. And we say rim protector, so liberally all the time, like he protects the rim. Like he's going to either block shots and punch them off the backboard or like accidentally punch in the face when he's doing it. Like that's the kind of player that he is. And not even like a dirty sense. Like he takes real pride in, in that to the point where the narrative shifted when he had a bad offensive game. Later in the tournament, it was like, oh, well, what happened to Mark Williams? It's like, well, we weren't depending on him all year, and now it's like a letdown when he he didn't score as much and got into foul trouble.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I like that pick a lot for Charlotte. I wonder if they're thinking more, go out and sign a big in free agency. Like, I yeah. wonder if they could be a player for DeAndre Ayton, for instance. Like, I wonder so, if they could be a player for, you know. Someone like so that's,
1: that. that. that's also a great point too. And and there was a, a tweet that kind of made its rounds today about here's the betting lines if DeAndre Ayton does not resign with Phoenix. And, and those are the teams I talked about. It was Detroit, it was San Antonio, it was Houston. And now that these teams kind of shook out at the top of the draft, he's gonna end up somewhere. So that could be a, a landing spot for him depending on salary cap, and then here you could take a more of an upside sell on you would of a a, a younger guard who was my second pick and, and Guessing you may take him now.
0: If 14, uh, I'm the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm not going to take a guard. I'm going to take Usman J uh, out of the NBL okay. here. And the reason for that is that the Cavs are expecting to make the playoffs next year with Evan Mobley, with Darius Garland. They should be expecting to be in the playoffs. I, they were a playoff team for 90% of this season uh, up until the final days. And if I was them again, I would want to take my chances on a high upside swing that could potentially really help them in the future. If he works out as a project, Usman Jang is six foot nine to six foot 10. He's pretty good defensively. He can really handle the ball and act as a potential secondary creator. Uh, he shot, I believe 36% from three over the course of his final 13 games in the NBL. When he really started to get playing time, uh, I'm a fan of the upside swing here as much as anything if I'm the Cavs. And this is a team that just desperately needs wings. They have their point guard position handled in Darius Garland. They have the bigs handled in, you know, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, right? They need wings. And I would just take a very high-end wing if I was them.
1: And for Usman, he he came on so much stronger at the end of the year. I mean, for a lot of people, I, I watched him, then I got into college basketball mode and, and went back, and he, I saw the actual improvements on, on tape. Like, he was much more assertive off the dribble. He was much more sure of himself coming off these pick-and-rolls, doing his weird kind of like six-foot push-shot floaters and, and spinning off and, and dunking on the break. Uh, the pick that I would think here, and, and I get the, the win-now thing, but also having that core, the pick that I think I would have made is Malachi Branham because you can bring him yeah. along at, at your own pace. That That's like the the real upside thing here for me. You don't know what you do with Colin Sexton. I know it's not an A to B switcher or, or fit, but put him with those guys that are already there. The expectation level wouldn't be as high for him to produce from day one. Uh, I, I have him as a top 10 talent on my board. If he slides down to here and now we creep into 14, 15, 20, that's going to be a great fit somewhere too.
0: Yeah, I don't mind that. Uh, you know, Go back to the St. Vincent, St. Mary's well. That there you so go. Well Perfect. First time Look at this. James, We're talking Disney I, movies. With with we got Chet and Jalen.
1: We've got Malachi going back home. We're not on payroll.
0: Okay. I've asked for questions from the people. Wow. Let's click the link here to see if we have any questions in the chat, which is possible.
1: I had someone... Tweet me earlier if I'd cut off a random finger for a Celtics pick outside the top five. And I said,
0: I mean, that's a great question. We're definitely answering that. Who who asked that question? Let's see. I,
1: I forget. I'd, I'd have to look it up. Um, I have weird thumbs. So I said, if they took one of my thumbs, we find I take Jeremy Sohan. And the reason I say that is because you have uh, this is a real thing. This is our show. Uh, this is your show. You you create this monster. Uh, they have Jalen Brown. They have Jason Tatum. It's more more defense, more flexibility. Grant Williams is really good. If he's gone to free agency, making twenty million a year, that's a good contingency plan. So that's my um, yeah, that's that's my pick. Cut off my thumb, and that was from our good friend here, Chase Peterson. Uh, Chase Peterson at Chase Peterson twenty three. So thank you, Chase. you can have my thumbs, I'll take Jeremy on
0: Weird thumbs?
1: Yeah, they're, they're like uh yeah, they're they're basically like big toes on my hands. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. I looked at a same one. so we're kind of souls.
0: Let's see here. Do we have any questions? Um I'm looking through the tweets now. The chat. You guys should send along questions, please. Uh okay. Kevin. Sue. Any thoughts on Gabriel Procida? Uh, I am a fan of Procida for what it's worth. I really like him. I think that he's six foot seven. He can really shoot the ball. He's more athletic than what I think people give him credit for. Uh, he's probably my favorite stash guy of, in terms of like the intersection of where I think he will actually be picked versus what his value is. Uh, I actually quite like Perceda, and I think a team in the 40s or early 50s uh, would do well to select him. Th- that question yeah. was from Kevin Owusu.
1: Yeah, it's six foot seven too, right? And he shot 53% of the field, 42 from three, 80 from free throw line, has good touch. I, I like how he comes off screens, ready to catch and shoot, uh, out of isolation so you can get to that jab-step series or take one dribble and, and step back. He was the guy when I did my international dive that I came away with most intrigued by watching these guys, too. Uh, I like the plays and finishes in transition. So yeah, definitely a, a God that I'd take draft and stash and check back in a year or two.
0: Chris Robbins, do you think the Pistons should trade back with five, like you mentioned with the Kings at four? So essentially trade four for five um, and then have to add something on top of it. I, I don't know what you would add on top of it. I guess like you would move a future lottery protected first, maybe would like be the idea if you really liked Jaden Ivey. Right. I'm on record saying that I love the Jaden-Ivy fit uh, in Detroit. So I think that makes a lot of sense to me, to be honest. But I I don't know if I would give up that much value if I was the Pistons, to be honest.
1: No, I wouldn't either. I definitely prefer Jaden-Ivy. I've been a fan for a, a long time. I've argued, should he be in consideration for the number one pick? But I don't know what that extra asset is to kind of get him over that hump to, to get to four.
0: From PJ Yoder, could the Hornets combine number 13 and number 15 to move up? I mean, the answer is always yes, I think, in these ways. I think a, a maybe a different question is not a better question, just a, an interesting one to consider, is how high do we think they could get if they combined those two picks?
1: 13 and 15, could you get to like – Nine Eight, maybe?
0: Yeah, Eight?
1: like yeah. I, I think San Antonio needs more of like a an upper tier guy. I don't think they need more of like here's two more picks. They already have later picks, right? San Antonio already they does do. A they couple
0: have the two first, other right? first round picks,
1: so they yes. have three that aren't interested. But if New Orleans says, "Hey man, like we took Phoenix to six games. If we get two guys now in the in the middle of the lottery at thirteen and fifteen, that'd probably be the, the place." Like I don't think Portland wants to do the dance and say, "Hey, here's here's Dame Lillard. Hey Dame, we got two young bucks to to go with an already kind of youngish lineup." uh yeah i don't think indiana would do it at six i like new orleans i like eight that'd probably be it for me uh
0: from cmpr 92 is mike devoe draftable i wouldn't draft him but is he draftable sure i think he'll be on a two-way next year so like there are crazier things i guess uh any strong opinions there
1: no he's outside I, I didn't go beyond 60 i kind of had him in that like next group of guys but yeah i think two-way is more than reasonable draftable uh, Sure.
0: from isaac matthias now that the bucks have been eliminated and we have a first round pick we might use for the first time in forever who do you like as realistic targets for the bucks ej liddell i believe that's going to be stands out to me personally ej makes sense yeah um i Look, my guy in this draft is Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Oh, yeah. uh, if Jalen Williams is there one. at 24, I mean, he's 6'6", 7'2", wingspan. He ticks a lot of boxes that this front office values. Um, if I was them, I would be looking for another guard more than another like front court player. Because as we saw in the playoffs this year, if one guy goes down in that rotation, you kind of end up with – George Hill, Grayson Allen having to play substantial minutes. And I think it's harder to find perimeter players like guards uh, in free agency whenever you're trying to, you know, bargain hunt, basically, than it is to find perimeter players. So Jalen Williams stands out to me. Um, Dalen Terry stands out to me. One more. Um, you know, Bryce McGowan's, Blake Wesley. One more. Guys like that.
1: What about Patrick Foley Jr.? I think that's the guy that. If he goes back to school, if he's in a different situation, we're talking about a top ten pick. We just watched Milwaukee losing seven games to Boston. Uh, they don't. It's not like they need like a ton right now. Definitely depth would would help them. And all their guys played a, a million minutes. And Giannis was pooped at the end. But Patrick Baldwin Jr. would would be if Jalen Williams off the board, that would probably be my
0: guy after. Um. From Christian Traxler. What was the thinking by the Leonard Miller pick to the Raptors in your mock draft? Honestly, it had very little to do with the fact that he's from Canada. He just kind of fits a lot of what they look for in what terms number of was upside that
1: for, for listeners here. What number?
0: 30, what do they have? 33, 34. Okay. Something in that range. Yeah. Um, he just kind of fits a lot of what they look for in terms of ball handling ability at size and skill. Uh, I think that that just kind of ticks a lot of boxes for the Raptors.
1: Yeah, they've done an unbelievable job developing guys like that, like longer rangier wings. Uh obviously a lot of credit goes to Scotty Barnes, but what they've done with him and, and his jumper and, and his feel and it feels like a guy and we laughed recording a podcast a few weeks ago, being like, That's such a raptor's pick. They just get him, it's like, God, ah, it's a little too high, then he's awesome. Like that, that would be a, a really good fit for, for both parties involved.
0: Okay, I saw another one that I liked. Oh, I know one question I want to get to. It was from everyone needs a smile, but give me give me a second here. Um, l- l- let's do another one. Is that from the joke? Uh, how high could the Knicks move up for the 11th pick, a top four protected in the Mavs 2023 first? So Man, let's assume 20, that that
1: well, well, let's assume Luke is still really good, so that would and that's be a like, bottom
0: six pick, right, right? In the first round,
1: so call that 26. So, 26, what, uh, 11, and what was the third piece?
0: Uh, a top four protected pick from the Knicks.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, does that, like, maybe get you, I don't know, five seems high, right?
0: Five or six? Yeah. yeah I think that's that's potentially... The number I, I don't I wouldn't do that if I was no I, I
1: wouldn't game. either it's just too unproven if it was here's a, here's a guy who's who's pretty good an expiring contract and a pick maybe but for just three picks I don't know if I'm if I'm Detroit or Indian if I take that
0: so th- this one's from YouTube commenter everyone needs a smile who by the yeah. way is just the best because it the bottom of all of our videos he posts the timestamps which is oh I saw that that was that-
1: awesome yes you went back and like commented one time. Uh, the only oh reason I left the comments just be like, did I screw up something bad? Did I say, like, this guy was on the wrong team? And, yeah, they, he had time of, like, seconds. Like, here, here's Penny uh, talking about movies too long for two minutes, and then we're back here. So thank you for that. <laughs> we, we don't, there's not – as you can tell, I'm in my living room with some throw pillows and bed lamps. We don't have a ton of production costs and value here. So for you doing that, I, my deepest um, thanks.
0: Yeah, seriously. Like, genuinely, we appreciate it so much. His question was – Uh, How has your view of this class changed from the preseason until now? Is it stronger at the top, weaker, deeper, shallower? Does your opinion in general of classes change much throughout the year? And are there any recent examples where your opinion changed significantly from the start of a draft cycle to the end of a draft cycle?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, there's a lot there to kind of unpack. Uh, Just looking at my own personal board and, and guys that were freshmen that played better than I thought. There were freshmen that played a lot worse than I thought. There are late first or not on my board. The guys that made the the sophomore jump that are better. And I just I, I think of throughout the year, I mean there's times where just at the very top I, I had Paolo and Chet and Jabari Smith Jr. I, I saw yep. Jabari Smith Jr. play this year and I walked away and said, that's the number one pick in the draft. Like hard stop. I, I don't know how we can get off it. And then the the shooting dipped down naturally, which is going to happen percentage wise. I, I had some questions about off the dribble. We talked about in the preseason. We're like, maybe that's, he's tenth. Really liked him a lot, and now he's he's one or two. Uh, I don't have Malachi Branham sniffing the the top ten. I have him right there. So there, there's definitely ebbs and flows throughout the year. I mean, Walker Kessler's another guy that I had the middle of the first. Now it's the end of the first. A lot changes. Uh, I'm trying to do better with not being like overreactive to like a week or two of games, but it's it's hard. It's human nature. So it's it always evolves. I don't I don't think this will stop until like the night of the draft.
0: Yeah, I would say that one aspect of a draft always changes for me, at least one. Like last year, I felt like the draft was really great at the top coming into the year and then wasn't great in terms of depth. Uh, I felt like by the end of the year, it was great in terms of depth. Uh, This year, I would say that I thought the top four coming into the year was really bad. Like I thought it was going to be like having the fifth or sixth overall pick in a normal draft. Uh, I no longer quite think that. I think it's a little bit better. It's a little bit deeper at the top this year, but there's always one aspect of a draft that I think changes for me uh, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And uh, a lot of the time things stay the same. Like I felt great about the top of the draft last year and that held steady because those guys were just elite guys, but you know, this year I would say the change is I really quite like Jabari Smith as a genuine, like normal top three pick. And that's probably the guy that, you know, has kind of shifted this mentality more than anything. Um, I'm trying to look for anyone else here. Uh, I don't know. We've gone for an hour and however long at this point, Matthew, uh, mm-hmm. f- an hour, 15 minutes. Uh, do you have anything else you got to say here? Uh, we can do movies later on next week. We yeah, we have we like might a might three be. week movie uh, part to catch up on here. We do. But so, is there anything you want to close with as we move out of this lottery and into the full on you know craziness of the 2022 NBA draft cycle?
1: Uh, this was really fun it felt like we prepared for this party like all year long we kind of had it but it's like not over now we're just gonna party like not all night now we're gonna party for a month straight like yeah. try to stay up try to watch more do deeper dives in, into prospects like you and I are gonna do some one-on-one player stuff here too and, yeah. and this is like when when it actually like means a lot and, and my favorite time of year like the drafts never stops but it now that like we have teams we can talk trades and like all these questions that we're talking about and I don't think it's I mean think of just like last year's draft night, right? How many trades were it was crazy, and I couldn't even like keep up with like what team Isaiah Todd was on and people moving <laughs> around. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen at the at the top of the draft, but teams are itchy and, and guys going to want to move up and move down, and we'll try to keep up with it as much as we can. Uh, but I'm excited. That's where I leave it at. I'm, I'm I have plenty of energy now. I'm ready to push through here.
0: Yeah, was Isaiah Todd the one we fucked up last year talking about it live on the show? We were like, yeah, he's going to x team and then we found out after he's going to washington
1: <laughs> it's like i always hold my breath when i start talking like spend a lifelong dream to play for them and somebody's like hey put this hat on that you're actually okay i'm on this team now uh <laughs> so like in my head i'm never gonna be drafted but i always like play it out like what would my speech be i, I wouldn't want to like thank the organization yet like i'm just kind of coming to work hard and hopefully they take uh two rounds of pictures backstage and not yeah. just like one with my uh okc hat on
0: So I think my final thoughts are I'm really happy for Magic fans, for Thunder fans, for Houston fans. I'm even really happy for Kings fans. Kings fans are, you know, I I understand that they feel like they're in a weird spot in a four-person draft where the fourth player is like a point guard. But you'd much rather have this pick than not have this pick, just in terms of the asset value at the end of the day. Regardless of where you go from here in building the organization – It's a positive for you to end up with this pick than to not end up with this pick and be at number seven, which is, I think, where they were slotted originally. So I think I would keep that in mind. I'm really excited about this draft cycle. You know, this, I'll be honest, I've been getting kind of frustrated by this draft cycle. I've been a little bit, you know, I don't want to say bored by it, but we were getting into the doldrums. Right, this kind of reinvigorated me. Being able to think about things in a different way kind of reinvigorated me, and I'm really excited. I'm excited to go through this process with Penny here. Uh, Penny, tell the people where they can find your work.
1: I'm glad. I feel like you're reading like an 800 page book, and you're at page like 652, and you're like, "Great, it's getting good now." Uh, I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. I'll be back here with uh, with Sam. I'm sure in the next week or two, and doing all the uh, every angle that we can analyze a prospect between now and then. We're going to do our best to cover.
0: So the podcast schedule currently is I want to do a podcast this weekend uh, or like later this week on Friday uh, about the first couple games of the conference finals. Then on Sunday, I am recording an NBA Draft Combine uh, kind of look back because that happens in a couple of days here Yeah. with Adam Spinella, who is just the best go follow the box and one on Twitter or Coach on uh, yeah, both of them. YouTube as well. Just yep. the absolute best. And then uh, next week I'll be on with Penny again and we'll be talking NBA draft again. So keep it locked here. We're going to have a lot of fun over the coming cycle, but until next time we'll talk soon. Bye. <laughs>